Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. Will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was, and the way it is in your memories. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. This is episode 23, titled Carousel Progress, where we'll be taking you back to the history of the attraction and uh, going through all the different acts, and we'll be doing that shortly. I'm your host, Todd McCartney, and with me, as always, tonight is uh, Brian P. Miles. How are you doing tonight, Brian? Greetings from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. JT Couser. Hello, how we doing? Good, getting through. And Hal Bowers, how's it going, Hal? Good, welcome Welcome to from sunny Florida, except it's yeah, you, nighttime, so it's not sunny. But it's still warmer than here, so. Oh, much warmer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll find but, out soon. That's yeah, right, we're all that's right, down, when you're in Florida. Just, we're gonna find all of us are gonna find out. We'll be in the same November. state once, finally. When when you need it bad, they've got it good. That was the Florida tourism. <laughs> That's right. That's so true. I do need it bad. So November. November we'll all be there for Destination D, and obviously also our special Lake and Lagoon tour. We'll talk about that a little bit later in some more detail as well. So. But as always, we like to roll the clocks back on this show, and uh, we go back to last month with some comments and corrections. And um, uh, how you uh, we were unsure of where uh, Captain Jack's restaurant name came from, and uh, Foxy did write in, and um, it looks like uh, Foxy said that the name of the establishment paid tribute to Jack Olson, who ran Disneyland's merchandise department from 1964 to 1970. So... Um, he retired from Disney, Walt Disney World in 1977, but it's pretty pretty likely that uh, since he contributed a lot to the to the shopping locations uh, and, and antiques in Liberty Square, that, that was a nod to him. Well, how cool so, is that? <clears throat> yeah, solving mysteries one month at a time. So, also going back to last month uh, when we talked about uh, Toys Fantastique, I still can't say it after a month of it. Um, Eric Smith wrote in to us and saying that, uh, that the toy store sold Lego products for a while, uh, but then they switched to Tente, T-E-N-T-E, from Spain. Um, that was about the time that Lego started hitting the U.S. heavily. So still bringing in European. And I, do you guys ever remember Tente or Ten- Tente? No, no I never no. heard of them. I, I had one. I had this battleship. I, the, the, the studs had holes in them on the top. It was really kind of interesting. It was a different design, but they certainly... Uh, have a Lego knockoff, so hmm. Tente, Tente. Brian, we also got some more information about uh, one of the shops. Yeah, the Crystal Art Shop. We talked about the Arebus Brothers on the last show, and uh, we were unclear on exactly where they had come from. Although I was certain that they dated back to Walt and and uh, in Disneyland. Uh, turns out I was correct. Walt met them at the World's Fair in 1964, and uh, he met them in the Spanish Pavilion. They were representing their homeland, 
And uh, he said, I got to have a shop in Disneyland. And that shop opened in Sleeping Beauty Castle in Anaheim in 1967. And it has began a long and exclusive partnership between the Aribus Brothers and Disney. There are currently 19 different shops scattered throughout Disney parks worldwide. All right, yeah, I mean, I remember going in there and uh, they had the glass rods and they had the blow torches set up and they'd be sitting there and the giant castle and all sorts of cool stuff. And you'd, you'd always, your mind would be baffled at the price tag and all the, the they zeros. They blew out a giant castle? Like, I'm being serious. Like, they, they like, were, was, was it like oh, multiple it, pieces or was it? was it? a giant crystal castle. I mean, that thing was over a foot foot tall, I think. Oh, uh, it was like, they still have them in in, but not some nearly. Shop. I remember there was yeah. a big one. It was like twenty thousand. Well, there's the glass guy on Main Street now. Is that was that, that is, there? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. theirs. Oh, yeah, same time. Co- yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's always like the same guy. I feel like, and then interesting. Well, that's cool. So for those of you uh, listened to episode twenty two and a half, which was our interview with David Coolidge. Um, he also mentioned that a lot of these shops that were in there, uh, what happened was with the success of Mary Poppins, there was a lot of money uh, that was that was overseas from the from the uh, film success. And in order to uh, bring some of those different wares and, and products back, they they bought a lot of the merchandise in from overseas, and uh, and then that was just for on sale in, in a lot of these shops in Lake Buena Vista. So um, David bought us a, a lot of interesting information. And if you take a listen to the podcast, you can actually. Uh, also listened to, to him tell the story that in one of the shops at Lake Buena Vista, uh, as he was standing there, they were working on a, a gift, and uh, that gift turned out to be for a very special person. So uh, take a listen, and uh, it's a pretty neat story that he's got for us. So. All right, with that said, JT, let's take a look at the listener mailbag this month. What do we have? We had a lot come in, as always. Yeah, um, some different stuff here. Pretty good month. I think the uh, the last month uh, had, you know, got us a... Pretty good clip of mail. Uh, Lincoln Brown uh, wrote us and loves loves the podcast and uh, the site since his memories go back into the early 70s and early 80s. says he still has some of those old photos from trips. And at any rate, I figured you might be the people to ask uh, this question to. So here's his question. There are many biographies of Walt Disney out there. Which of those is the most historically accurate and reliable? And then he wanted to add to that he remembers the Magic Shop, the Penny Arcade, uh, dioramas on Main Street. And uh, riding with the pilot on the monorail, we we all remember that. So, what's the most historically accurate Walt Disney biography book out there? You guys have any tips for him? Well, I, I can't specifically recommend one because there are so many of them. I do think that the most valuable thing to do if you want to learn about Walt is reading the books of the people who worked with him. I mean, a lot of the Imagineers, a lot of the artists. Um, have written books, especially the ones that are older and, and dying off now. Uh, but over the over the decades, there have been a lot of books written by people that worked with them. And I always think you should start there. I will also say that the Disney family, even though Disney the Disney uh, company sells the Neil Gabler biography in in park stores and and on property, uh, the Disney family was not happy with that and and not happy at all with with a lot of the stuff that was in it. Uh, and said it was inaccurate. So take that, you know, for what it's worth. I'm sorry, I'm not giving you a direct answer, but I think those are things that you should should take into account when you're reading about them. I've read a couple of them. I haven't read all of them, and uh, there's bits and pieces of different ones that I think are are interesting. But like everything, I think you have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt. I don't know if there's one definitive, like well written one. 
There's the question. When are they going to make the Walt biography movie? Do you think it'll ever happen? There was a movie made uh, um, not not too long ago, and I know I saw it. So in the show notes, we'll get the uh, the title of it up. But it, it, it chronicles Walt and Roy from, from birth uh, until the founding of the studios. Uh, oh, the, was the that the one, Walt Before success. Mickey or something that's like that? That's it. Something yeah. like that, yeah. And, and that, uh, yeah. I'd like to see one that's like in that era, like, you know, Disneyland to, you know, that chunk. Yeah, I'd love to see one uh, in the same era as uh, Saving Mr. Banks that yeah. wasn't 90% made up. Like saying, yeah, yes. that is true. Yeah. All right. So thanks, Lincoln. Appreciate that. Um, the next one, this one really was like, oh, I love this. Uh, we got a Twitter, a tweet from uh, Senior Peanut. Is that right? Senior Peanut. <laughs> it's the best handle on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Senior Peanut. Well, he sent us a link to uh, pictures of. If I'm, this is the same one that we got Pablo Escobar on his 1981 trip to Disney World, right? Yep. And uh, I was just loving it because it's just so like I don't know. I just think it's so funny seeing Pablo Escobar chilling out in like Frontierland or yeah. you know just it's the picture great. of for those of you who don't know Pablo Escobar was basically was a drug lord and before he was targeted and 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 eventually captured he was um he, he took his family to to disney world in 1981 and there's a great picture of him sitting on the bench it looks like his yeah. daughter's got the gun in her hand and the other kids got oh another, yeah another gun she's like ready to fire but um apparently they they went they spent tons and tons of money filling suitcases with souvenirs and clothing um he he hired a personal person to advise him on attractions uh, escorted driver uh, so it's kind of interesting, but there's a handful of pictures out there. So uh, we'll, 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 we'll we should reenact those pictures in November. <laughs> like just, I'll sit there and just, just Escobar it. Just, I mean, Escobar it. so yeah. So he set foot in Walt Disney World in 1981. Pretty crazy. He didn't hit up Epcot. Epcot was what 82. Yeah. So. Yeah. He didn't. It was too too soon. He might have overlooked the construction of Epcot. That's all. Um, all right, next one here. And this is another tweet. Um, is this drunk at Disney tweeted at us? Yep. That's fun. I like to follow. They're interesting. Um, said, uh, does anyone know when they stopped using World Key? Who, uh, anybody know? Rough idea? I'm, I'm being quiet to wait and see if how. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to get some confirmation because they, I, so the big innovations interventions makeover was what 90 well, 94 yeah, yeah. Ni- yeah. 94 and it existed 94 for a while on the so they moved it from spaceship earth to the outside wall of the guest services yep. built and it stayed there for a couple of years uh and then suddenly it was gone uh so i would put it at like 97 maybe 96 so mid mid nineteen nineties would be yeah. the safest answer to give you. But I'm gonna find yeah. out for sure. Yeah. yeah. So we'll come we'll revisit that one on the next episode and get you. Yeah, I'll get a exact, definitive exact answer. Digit. So all right. Well that's uh yeah, our world key uh rough idea. So that'll give you Skip. a start. All right, next one we had uh, Jason McMahon writes us, I was wondering if you knew anything about ordering Disney Park souvenirs through WDW mail order. When did it start? When did they start and stop printing catalogs? Um, he says he's seen two catalogs from 85 and 87. So what do you got for us, Brian? I know you you uh, replied to this one. 
I did, um, because the catalogs, if you go out and collect them from the 80s and early 90s, have a lot of really cool Epcot merchandise and park merchandise. It's great for confirming when you see something cool on eBay or at a yard sale, saying, when did they sell this? Uh, so that, that those catalogs are great for that. Uh, but they started, so, so what, what I, my answer to them was, there was always an ability to pick up the phone and call them. And say, hey, my nephew came home with this really neat Donald Duck inflatable such and such. Can I have one sent to me? Uh, pretty much from park opening. It was always a service-oriented company. So you always had the ability to call and have them ship you merchandise. They, it, it, it gained more uh, notoriety. And, and as a practice, when Birnbaum started printing their official guides to Disney, uh, they started including that information in there, including the contact information. Within that first couple of years, Disney then, right after Epcot opened, they started putting out their own uh, merchandise catalogs, small at first. And then, of course, through the merchandising explosion in the 80s and early 90s, they got to be quite voluminous. Then the Disney stores opened, uh, and the catalogs continued to get sent out uh, up until around, and I kind of put it at around 2000, although that's a very general. Uh, once the internet, once it became possible to sell over the internet, eventually, like most other catalogs, it was sunset. And and so they don't produce them anymore. Uh, but they were around pretty much for the 80s and 90s. Um, you know, with the opening of Epcot, merchandising really took a front seat. And, uh, and that's kind of when they when they spread. So that was about the time frame was was early 80s to late 90s or right around 2000. So one of the things that people don't know about that whole uh, merchandise catalog thing is it actually dates back to Disneyland. And that was that was one of Walt's ideas and is actually in the original Disneyland Foundation documents. So when he came out uh, with the idea and went out to sell it to the banks, that concept of having merchandise from, uh, from vendor partners available to call, that was right there from day one in 1955. What is this place? What is it that you do here? Merchandising. Merchandising? What's that? Merchandising! Merchandising! Where the real money from the movie is made. It always, it always cracks me up because people always are like, oh, well, you know, Walt really didn't care about money. It's like, no, he no, was he a smart guy. He was not going to let an opportunity go like that. All right. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate your uh, message. And if you have any uh, listener mail questions, comments, you want to know something, maybe we can dig it up for you. Email us uh, podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. All right, thanks, JT. So let's move on to this month's audio rewind. Uh, how many you guys got got it this month? Yeah, I think I got close. I was, you know, starting to think because I actually did ride this back okay. when it was around. Brian, I think you knew it, right? I know yes. how it did. Yeah. So <laughs> for the amount of time that you stood in that line, it yeah, you be knew forever. <laughs> for some reason, if you had wings, would load in like a matter of minutes. But if you could fly. Yeah. It was like a 60-minute line, no matter what. Exactly, exactly. So let's take a listen to last month's Audio Rewind. All right, so if you send in your answer and you guessed Delta Dream Flight, you were correct. Uh, and we do have a winner for, for last month. His name is Robert Burke. Congratulations, Robert. Hey, you Robert. Want- progress land brochure that ted linehart donated to us so we'll get that right out to you 
Um, and we do, we got to come up with a prize for this month, and we also have to come up with an item for the prize pot. Um, guys, I have, an, I, I actually have both this month. So we had a, another listener write in, and uh, they sent to us, hey, you know, I've got some extra brochures and vacation packages and uh, guides and, and, and all sorts of maps. I'd like to send it to you. So David Bell sent us this awesome collection of, of brochures and, and vacation guides we're going to give that away this month um and he's sent us so much and we can probably do this for two months there's plenty of them here uh dating back to around the 20th anniversary and uh the good housekeeping this is great a 20th anniversary guide to walt disney world by good housekeeping and uh there's even it looks like there's some mayonnaise uh, coupons inside too you might be mayonnaise able to coupons? Yeah, was, i think they're a, still good yeah, there's a recipe on the back for Crisco cranberry swirl muffins. Um, <laughs> they've even got a, oh, they have a half price for Burn Bombs 20th anniversary Walt Disney World edition. So look at that. Look out. A lot of good stuff. So that's going to be this month's prize. And I do have an item for the prize pot. Now, for those not familiar, the prize pot is ever growing. Every month we put a one item into the prize pot. And at the end of the year, everybody who has entered the audio rewind we're going to pick one random name and they're going to win the entire prize pot now jt you've got this all written down on a piece of paper you had to use the other side let's run down for listeners where we where we stand with this because we only have a couple months left yeah we're getting there wow okay here we go an orange bird yo-yo the world of motion brochure the golf resort bag golf bag tag the epcot salt and pepper shaker the Disney World Glass Candy Dish, the Tomorrowland Manual, the 1984 Disney News Magazine, the Walt Disney World Explorer CD-ROM, the expired Discovery Island tickets, and the Frontierland Viewmaster slide. Exactly. So this month, guys, uh, here's what I'm going to add. And I, I actually have two items. First of all, we have oh. the... Walt Disney World 10 coin that was given out to... Uh, uh, the, the employees and the cast members says this special coin is be, being presented to you for helping to make Walt Disney World what it is today. So oh. we've got that. And also, just in case you're going to walk around, survey any land, or do any work, we have a uh, Walt Disney World pocket protector. No so way. Put that right in your in your breast pocket and and keep all your pens and your papers and everything nearby. Can I so wear can, that can, in can, November? Can, yeah, yeah you, can, you, can, you can wear it into Epcot and then ask a cast member, hey, where's the science stuff? <laughs> looking for the uh, teacher rule. center uh yeah. with that we need an audio rewind for this month so let's take a listen okay so if you think you know the answer to this month's audio rewind puzzler send your answer to podcast at retrodisneyworld.com all entries should be received by october 17th 2016 and we will pick one random person from all correct answers to win the uh, this month's uh, prize, which is the vacation guides and brochures from David Bell. And all entries, whether or not they're correct or not, will be entered into the grand prize prize pot drawing this in December 2016. So again, get your entries into podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. Welcome to the General Electric Carousel of Progress. Now, most carousels just go round and round without getting anywhere. But on this one, at every turn, we'll be making progress. And progress is not just moving ahead. It's dreaming and working and building a better way of life. 
All right, well, it's time for our main topic. And this month, as we said earlier, we're going to be taking you back to the Carousel of Progress. In order to do that at Walt Disney World, we need to rewind the clocks way back uh, to just after the opening of Disneyland. And um, when Disneyland opened, there was always a a plan to expand Main Street USA. And they were going to expand that out into two different areas, one called International Street and another called Edison Square. Obviously, International Street, sounds pretty much what we know of world showcase and all the epcot and progress city items uh, that were that were thought of um but we're gonna focus here on edison square and how that turned into carousel progress now um in this area there was going to be a show hosted by what they called an electromechanical man named wilbur k watt and i, I sensed how i was already working on a t-shirt for wilbur watt <laughs> <laughs> um, such a catchy this, name it's right it is it is the, the show would chronicle uh, essentially how electricity has changed in the home from early 19th century to the present and beyond. And, and G was kind of the target sponsor for the show. And, you know, if I didn't say this wasn't Carousel Progress, you'd be saying, oh, sounds like Carousel Progress. And this is really where it got its roots. So the, the thought process back then was they'd have this lobby and at an appropriate time, um, the doors would open and, and about 125 people would be funneled into a fir- the first theater and they would stand on a multi-tiered platform, uh, each tier separated by a continuous railing, kind of like what Stitch's Great Escape and, and, and Mission to Mars was where you're tiered as you're going in. Uh, and when that scene completed, the lights would dim and the, or, or come up rather and the automatic doors would open and you'd move out to the next area to see the next scene while another group came in to see the first show. Um, this never came became a reality for different things uh, due to Disneyland and, and, and other things going on with, with GE, but with no with a specific pun intended here, the stage was set uh, for, for the carousel. Uh, GE kind of got themselves into trouble in 1959, and um, they were caught price-fixing electrical equipment. So the United States Justice Department slapped them with quite a bit of fines. They had to pay over $50, millions in, $50 million in damages and fines. Uh, three managers received jail sentences, and um, a number of others were forced to leave the company. So we're now in 1959, five years after Disneyland opening. You've got the World's Fair coming up. GD, GE has an image problem, and they saw the chance for the World's Fair as a chance to fix it. So what better way to clean it up than partner with Walt Disney, whose name really you know, stood for quality and, and getting things done, you know, the right way. So Disney and GE got together and um, the Imagineers started to perfect audio animatronics technology that would operate the quote unquote performers, right? Uh, they weren't the most advanced, but got got the job done. So, and I think this is chronicled in one of my favorite uh, television shows that that were, were produced under the Disneyland nomenclature back in the, in the 60s was Disneyland Goes to the World's Fair. The tremendous task of putting these exhibits together was not done by the studio alone. Other companies have done design and manufacturing work and have licensed the use of rights and inventions that they have developed. This has made it possible to create these exhibits for the benefit of all of us at the World's Fair. Yeah, that that is a great one, isn't it? I mean, you you see the guy sitting there in that almost like that whole hand brace, and as he's moving, the father's yeah, moving. So, it's just, so it's Rafael Rogers sort of invents the first motion capture suit, mm. except it's all you know highly mechanical <laughs> instead of uh, ping pong balls and cameras. 
Now, this contraption here might look like something from outer space, but it's actually a control harness for programming the actions and gestures of our audio-animatronic figures. I mean, in that, Walt really shows exactly how they program the audio-animatronics, how that whole show was put together. So take a look at it. Disneyland goes to the World's Fair from 1964. You can find it on YouTube. It's fantastic, fantastic thing. Uh, so they... Um, they replaced the Wilbur Watt character uh, with a father and a family and uh, an actor by the name of Rex Allen. He was a cowboy at the time, uh, in different films and such. He, he was he did the voice of the father. They recorded him. And uh, then they went out to the Sherman Brothers. We know them from all their great songs that they wrote. And they needed a song that would serve as a bridge between the acts. And, and that's where we got the great big beautiful tomorrow. Uh, as we know, the retro Disney World singers uh, cue them right now. They did a beautiful rendition of that song for us. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow And tomorrow's just a dream away Man has a dream and that's the star He follows the dream with mind and heart and when it becomes a reality it's a dream come true for you and me so there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day there's a great big beautiful tomorrow So the show is now complete. It opens at the New York World's Fair as Progress Land. That was the whole pavilion name. Carousel Progress was just one part of it. Turns out to be one of the most visited pavilions at the fair. Um, they People would wait over an hour, two hours in line for the fair. And um, it got so the lines got so long, they actually had to create an additional covered queue for it. What was really interesting is the design was really brilliant for the crowds that were there. Um, because they upped the ante and, and they upped the capacity at 200 per theater, the hourly capacity of this ride is th- almost 3,600 guests. And I, I, I started doing some research on this. Guys, what do, you, what do you think like the Mine Train or Haunted Mansion or Splash Mountain is? What, what, do, you th- what do you think they are in comparison? I'm, I'm going to guess Mansion's about 2,400, I think. They're pretty close, yeah. Between 24 and 28 is what they say. Uh... And I mean, my God, mine train. Yeah, mine train is not 800, <laughs> 900, I maybe 12 to 14. 12, okay. Is, yeah. Splash is about 18, and Spaceship Earth comes in around 2100. So think about it. this was designed really, really well to move to move guests through. Um, but what, what else made this show unique? And in getting all those people in and out was the rotating theater uh, that increased the capacity, as we talked about, and also didn't have to let the people sit there and get up and, and the, the delay and all that time-consuming disruption. Um, now, I'm going to talk a little bit about the way the building was set up at the World's Fair because that's kind of leads into how the Disneyland building was set up. You would enter on the first floor and then take, JT, you're going to love this, you take a speed ramp up to the second floor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's the Disneyland. Now, or was that? No, was no, no. This is the World's Fair. This was still it the legit World's a Goodyear Fair. speed ramp? So Goodyear was at the World's Fair doing Well, it. I don't know if Goodyear had a name, but it certainly was rubber. I mean, probably made of rubber. So. <laughs> but made of the rubber, Carousel of Progress, 
<laughs> the Carousel of Progress was actually located on the second floor. Um, and um, so now we why get up- was that? Just for coolness like was it well you know what i mean like we're gonna we're gonna find out later because okay the, sorry the sorry third part of the show actually was was on the first floor so um y- you would go in and, and the, the the rotating theater that we know it um was de- was designed by uh roger Brogy and and bob gurr and um the six different circle theaters you know, obviously as we know they all have the divider walls they revolve clockwise and uh the timing was done by every four minutes so the load scene, the or the load theater, I should say, was was something had a very unique uh, display. It was called the kaleidophonic screen, and uh, this was screens that stretched from one wall to the other, and they had the the GE logo smack dab in the middle, and they lit up all sorts of patterns and colors, and and uh, it was the orchestral version of this great big beautiful tomorrow played in the background. So, um, and then the, the theater rotated, and you go through the four acts that were we're going to talk about uh and at the end of the show the last theater we all know that we just get up and walk out now right but there was no stage there was just a speed ramp another speed ramp in the middle of the theater that would take you up through the center of the building to walt disney's sky dome spectacular which yeah i'm gonna i'll get a buzz through that and this is even though it's not walt disney world it really lends to to when you see the photos of it you really see how the Progress Land um, pavilion was early inklings of, of what Epcot became. So up, you go up into the Sky Dome, and it's a uh, giant daytime-type planetarium sprayed with asbestos. So it's very high qual- high air quality in there. And uh, they would project uh, different um, uh, images of nature and energy on the dome and the way that GSG was harnessing electricity to, to help its customers. Um now, JT, to answer your earlier question, at the end, we now walk back down to the first floor where a demonstration of a controlled thermonuclear fusion was witnessed. No way. <laughs> yeah. So they would actually do, they would use this magnetic field to squeeze the plas- uh, um, a plasma of um, diortium gas and, and just for a couple millionths of a second, and then it would ex- essentially explode at... 20 million degrees Fahrenheit make this loud bang of flash and you know this is the the atomic error and it's creating free energy and uh, is a fantastic description of this and and um, I'll have to post the link to it. there's photos of this the, the pavilion and um, they said that people that work there would hear this just this awful bang every four to six oh. minutes as this miniature fusion explosion went off so um, I mean we could sit here and talk about this for hours it was a fantastic pavilion so but uh so that's the the really first part of of carousel of progress but the world's fair end so what are they going to do with the show so they decide to relocate it to, to disneyland um and ge agrees to sponsor it and um so they bring it there and don't forget this time disneyland's got its new tomorrowland so in 1967 it comes out it's a two-story so it like, build. what two three years later yeah, the, the World's Fair club was the 60, uh, 64, 65 World's Fair. So about two years later. So where did it go in between? Do we know? Just they had constructed it and moved it, transported it, got it all put back together. They had to build a whole new building because the building itself was... So it was probably a lot of construction and they just moved the internal parts over or something? Or? Exactly. Okay. And my understanding from my reading and my research is that they constructed a whole new um, carousel. 
and then bought the, the, the stages and everything in. Um, the show itself, uh, it was a two-story building this time. The show itself uh, uh, really didn't change too much. There are a few minor changes to different audio animatronic positions and voices and, and props and stuff. But um, JT, they once again at the end, they had a speed ramp. Speed ramp alert. Yeah, that would take you up to the upper level, and you would have a additional four-minute post-show narrated by the mother and father, and uh, they would show the entire uh, model of Progress City at the top, at the second floor of, of the Carousel Progress. Um, GE eventually thinks that too many locals are seeing the show, and they don't feel that their advertising dollar is doing well. So in 1973, they pack it up, um, along with the Progress City model, and... Uh, Send ship it on down to uh, uh, to Walt Disney World. Um, the theater there didn't go to waste. Actually, they ran uh, a version of America Sings with audio animatronics and, and rotating theater for about fourteen years um, thereafter. So it, it certainly the building didn't go to waste. But so now we are where we always talk about, right? Disney World. So we build a new, or I say we, but. A new theater is built in, in Walt Disney World, and this time one story. So we've gone from three stories to two stories to one story. And then there's a, a balcony on the edge where the people mover can go around. Um, if any of you remember the very early versions of Carousel Progress, the outside of the building was white, but it had these blue stripes and that kind of get smaller and smaller as the building turned, and then they come around and get bigger again. I, how you remember those, right? They, they were cool. Yeah, that's exactly right. <clears throat> they were really neat. Um, and one interesting, strange fact was that in Walt Disney, and I don't, how maybe you know the reason, when they built the theater in, in Walt Disney World, it rotated counterclockwise, but the other two rotated clockwise. So I, I don't know if anybody knows the reason of why or how or what. Yeah, but yeah, we're all looking looking sure. at each other going East Coast versus West Coast. They had yeah. to switch it for the gravity. <laughs> I was going to say maybe if it was you know northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere and rotations are different. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so um, the kaleidophonic screens were now gone, and um, they had a lot of problems with them. So we just had these kind of plain silver curtains with the GE logo in the center, uh, and the, in the load and unload, the kind of different color lights that changed on and off. And uh, GE liked it. They they signed a ten year contract. Uh, it opened on. In January 1975, uh, a couple things changed. They asked the Sherman brothers to write a new song because they felt they didn't want their customers to wait for a great big beautiful tomorrow. They wanted them to buy something today. So the best time of your life, or sometimes called now is the time, uh, that song was created. And of course, this opens up a debate of which is the better song. Is there a debate? <laughs> I mean, there's one that was personally picked by Walt and one that was personally picked by the president of GE. I mean, exactly. I'll go with Walt Disney. <laughs> <laughs> it's very catchy. Yeah, it's got the Sherman Brothers catchiness. I mean, to me, though, when I think Carousel of Progress, it does not fit that song. It just doesn't. And, I mean, I'm, you know, when's the first time I saw it? Like the early 90s when I can remember seeing it. So, yeah. Yes, I saw it in the 80s, and, and I remember, um, you know, the best time of your life, you know, quite, quite a bit. What about you, Hal? I was going to say, growing up, in the 1970s and yeah. that's the only version of that i ever knew so when they ended yeah. up switching it to the great big beautiful tomorrow i was like what is this i mean <laughs> i was did. kind of aware of it but like it just seems yeah. it seems wrong to me because i grew up with the other one 
Yep. Did it ruin it for you? Like you're like, what are you back? Like you know, did you flip flop now? It's like we which can, one seems we'll, more real? We'll to talk you? about that as we get into yeah. the, okay the later version. Said. I have yeah. I it's had a, a, sort of a love hate. I I liked it when it first came out, and then I didn't like it so much, and I think I'm going back to a neutral position. You right. threw a pie at the guy's face <laughs> in the eye the first time. Oh. <laughs> uh. So when it opened, um, they did have a new cast of voices and, and for the performers uh, in the 1975 version, including actor Duggan, uh, another cowboy, uh, as the father. And they did some additional cosmetic and set design changes. Uh, the finale was changed to uh, a New Year's Eve in the home of the 1970s, and the, the breed of the dog changed. Uh, and then later on in 1981, the finale was updated to be New, Year, new Year's Eve in the home of the 1980s. Um, and they had a new script written, but the majority of the show remained the same. Uh, later on in 1985, General Electric's contract expired. Ten years was up, and, and they chose not to renew. Plus, they also had the sponsorship of, of Horizons at the time over in Epcot. Uh, so uh, Disney went through and attempted to remove as many of the General Electric references as they could. Um, and at this time, there's there's a the, the sign outside was replaced with a kind of a circular blueprint wedge design of the six theaters which i think is what i remember in my head as the logo of carousel progress i think it's a great another idea for a shirt right there i'll tell you yeah, um, funny you should mention that oh funny well, we'll get to that towards the end i'd yeah, like a speed right. ramp shirt that's what a i speed- would like <laughs> <laughs> i knew jd you get got a speed ramp yeah okay sorry. uh and this logo was also changed uh in the opening in in the load and the unload and um there are still a few GE logos that exist, exist on a couple of the household appliances through the attraction. Um, but uh, so that brings us up to, uh, you know, the 1985. And that concludes our, our load section of the Carousel Progress. So uh, let's let the century begin. The challenge always lies ahead. And as long as man dreams and works and builds together... These years, too, can be the best time of your life. Now is the time, now is the best time, now is the best time of your life. Life is a prize. So, uh, Act 1 begins in the house uh, before there is electricity, and as Dad comes on, uh, he is showing off his kitchen and he's talking about all, all the great things in his kitchen like uh, the latest in cast iron stoves and uh, all the whatnot. And, and this is consistent from the from the Disneyland version uh, forward. Uh, and in fact, the, the second scene, which is the mother and, and daughter doing laundry. But with my new wash day marvel, it takes only five hours to do the wash. Imagine! That's right, folks. Now Mother has time for recreations like... Like canning and polishing the stove. <laughs> okay, Mother. Uh, has also managed to stay consistent through all the years. So uh, the mom is ironing and the daughter is using the wash day marvel uh, in order to do the laundry. And it, and it actually wasn't until this very latest version with Gene Shepard that they actually bothered to explain uh, why... F- Five hours to do the laundry was astounding, <laughs> and and my assumption was if you had watched the show in 1964 and you were an adult person, you had grown up 
probably through the 1920s and the 1930s, and, and you were aware of how long it took to do laundry. So uh, five hours was a big deal. And as the father now explains, uh, that process used to take two days. And actually, that's what the Carousel of Progress is, is really all about. Uh, as a sales vehicle for, uh, for General Electric, it is supposed to be a testament of how electricity and General Electric products have freed up people from the drudgery of daily life so that way they can do other things and uh that what those other things are sort of shift over the course of the years as the uh as the attraction progresses uh, but it is this whole idea of of progress actually being an empower people uh, to do something other than just have to take care of the basic necessities uh so we've got uh, we go from the uh from the mother and daughter doing the laundry and then in the 64 world's fair and disneyland version uh where today we have the boy uh looking at the stereoscope of the uh of little egypt doing the hoochie coochie uh uh so in the disneyland version it was actually a boy with a vacuum cleaner this early sort of like air suction vacuum so that that's that managed to stay through 64 disneyland and then for some reason, uh, when they switched to Walt Disney World, they took out that and they put in the boy with the stereoscope. And And my assumption is uh, they just felt that that gag just wasn't landing with people. It maybe it just wasn't funny enough because they mentioned vacuums in other places in the uh, throughout the rest of the show. So I think they just tried to inject some humor in there. Uh, in the 70s version and 80s version, uh, the dad just says... With his amazing new stereoscope, my son can now see and learn all about the latest events in the world. Like the World's Fair in St. Louis. Wowee! Look at that! What's the hoochie-coochie, Dad? <clears throat> Get back to your homework, son. The audience is supposed to know what the hoochie-coochie is and, and how it's uh, <clears throat> a little risque. Uh, but by the time you got to... <laughs> the uh the late 90s I, nobody knew what that was so then they had to explain further that it was little egypt and it was dance and they had to sort of explain the fact that it was sort of naughty so you uh, put that away before your mother sees it exactly exactly <laughs> that's how that's how we got the progression there it's uh, in 3d nonetheless yeah yeah actually it was the first view mister right? right yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. then we go to uh then we go to grandma listening to the uh, to the talking machine with the uh, parrot, which was originally a tiki room parrot, saying about how the the uh, she keeps that thing playing all day long. So that gag has has managed to continue all the way through. Then we go to the older daughter uh, getting ready for the trolley party. Thanks for letting me go, Papa. Be home by nine o'clock, daughter. Yes, Papa. And uh, at sometimes they explain that she's been perping for three hours. Uh, at other times they just mention uh, they mention that it's replacing the horseless carriage. Sometimes they don't. Um, but uh, the idea is that electricity is an active thing outside of the house, but not yet inside the house. Because then Dad will make a a comment at the end about how but there's a new company working on bringing the same power that runs the trolley into folks' homes. Hmm. Uh, so then after that, uh, oh, and there's a, a very interesting thing there too, especially in the, uh, I think it's the, the no, it is the World's Fair version. So the entire time while, while this is going on, uh, the actors are, you know, the dad's breaking the fourth wall between the audience and, and himself. Uh, and in the early version, 
uh, Patricia actually turns around and looks at the audience and says, Father, I'm indecent. And uh, the dad said, no, no, they're friends. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> technically she's in her undergarments in that scene. Even though they're... But we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. It's only somewhat creepy. Yeah, and, that, and, that's, and that's only in the last version. In the earlier uh, mid-80s edition, there's no like reference to the fact that she's in her undergarments. Yeah, she makes a big deal out at first, and then it's just kind of not in in the most in the current version. Right, it's a, it's a weird difference between the two. Well, the whole the whole thing. It's just that the whole focus of the show shifted. I mean, since we're getting onto it now with the end of scene one, uh, the whole focus of the show shifted by the time when they redid the ninety three one from appliances making your life better to more charting technological advances uh, over the last hundred years in general. Yes. So there were a lot more references to you can get across the country by train in three days. You can you can do this in X number of time. And we, we have the ability to do X, Y, and Z. Now, there's Schwartz and his Hupmobile. You know, all of that was in the 93 version. It's not in the earlier versions because the earlier versions are mostly designed to sell appliances. Exactly. Yeah, they, they did a lot of work uh, to try to give context to a lot of the stuff uh, because people... Uh, everyone who knew what was going on previously is now dead. So now they're, they go through great lengths to explain things to the audience, which I, I think makes sense. Well, it's one of the reasons why the script 23 years later, with a few exceptions that we'll make fun of later, it still works for the most part. Yep. Because, you know, you're still taking a snapshot of talking about how things were, you know, 40, 60, 80, 100 years ago. Right. Right. And they were doing that then. It's now they have a little bit more exposition in order to like catch the audience up. One of the amazing things actually about the show <clears throat> is that uh, many of the props and probably a good number of the animatronics actually date back to 1964. They are absolutely. Yeah. yeah. As you watch version after version, and you're looking at it saying, wow, all that stuff's still there. I mean, that's the same stove. That's the same this. That's the same. Yeah. That. Those pictures yeah. on the wall. Uh, yeah. In some and places, in fact, the wallpaper. In some places, not. When I was researching some of the differences between, you know, Disneyland and the World's Fair, it's like, oh, yeah, they, they moved a book from the desk to off the shelf. And it's like the only change <laughs> you know, in the entire scene. Yeah. I mean, it's really <laughs> remarkable. And especially when you consider the fact that, you know, they built it in a warehouse in California, broke it down shipped it mm -hmm. across the country to New York, rebuilt it, broke it down, shipped it back across the country to California, rebuilt it, broke it down, shifted it, shipped it across the country to Florida and rebuilt it again. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Tom Nabby, you'll remember was, uh, our guest last year, uh, Disney legend. He was, uh, he was one of the leaders of, of Tomorrowland at the time that both Space Mountain and the Carousel were installed in 1975. And he spends almost no time in his book talking about it, but he makes that point that, that they had deconstructed and installed it so many times at that point that it was just routine, that it required <laughs> almost no anecdotal effort uh, to, to build it at Walt Disney World. It's almost like a carnival ride at that point, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and actually, if you've ever seen photos of behind the sets, there are like letter and number designations on all the pieces. So it's very easy to figure out what's supposed to go where because you put A1 next to A2 and you screw them together and it's... So as we, uh, as we wrap up in, uh, in scene one... Uh, Dad tells us about what those uh, crazy GE scientists are working on. 
uh, and uh, one thing's for sure. Now is the time, now is the best time, now is the best time of your life. Life is a prize, live every minute. Open your eyes and watch how you win it. Yesterday's memories may sparkle and gleam, tomorrow is still but a dream. Right here and now, you've got it made. The world's forward marching and you're in the parade. Now is the time, now is the best time, be it a time of joy or strife. There's so much to cheer for, be glad you're here for, it's the best time of your life. So, now we're in Act 2. Uh, we are in the age of electricity. Uh, everyone is using it, farmers, factories, whole towns as they say. Uh, and even the, <laughs> as we talk about things that they've reused from the World's Fair, uh, even the sounds of the trolleys and things that they use in the 70s and 80s version are exactly the same soundtrack as, as the World's Fair just used again. Um, we see Dad, uh, once again, lovingly showing off uh, all the great GE products uh, with what he calls Mother's Electrical Servants. So there's things like vacuum cleaners and... Uh, toasters and waffle irons uh and they have a little musical thing that they do when he he turns them on all and they all go crazy and they all go to work at the click of a switch take it easy you'll blow a fuse and in the the actual new version uh they do blow a fuse they yeah. they pull a page right out of the Gene Shepherd playbook. That's right. Does any does anybody else bothered by the fact of all the wires all over the place that it just seemed out of place? I mean, I know they were kind of putting an accent on the fact that everything was electricity, but you know, you've got a chandelier coming down and 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 like a three way socket screwed into that. Well, and that was limited though. It's like there's only one plug there. That's right. Where it's, well, so, but it, the reason for that is those houses. Unless they were built at that time, they were not built to be wired for right. electricity. So that was not uncommon, although they started to put those like soffits and things along them. So you would you see them in older hotels where they have the right. like the, the, the line that runs along it that kind of covers the electrical wiring. Uh, yep. So I think they're trying to give you that. I mean, it does look odd, but, you know, they're obviously making the point. Yeah, for my OCD, you know, it's just like, oh man, you gotta tuck those things. Yeah. You gotta <laughs> I also didn't like the neon colors that they chose. I felt that that was out of place. I know they were trying to highlight them, but oh yeah, they never... had the black light effect when they. Uh, yeah, I never, I never, it. I never liked that. So, so now here's something where we made a change from uh, from Disneyland to Walt Disney World to now. So, uh, in the Disneyland version, now that there's electricity. Mom is able to fill out her day by continuing <laughs> to iron in the evening with an electric light and an electric iron. So uh, when Dad makes a reference to... You just iron the wrinkles out of my shirts. Yes, dear. Uh, she now, thanks to electricity, can continue to iron the wrinkles out of her shirts even when it's nighttime. <laughs> uh, as we get to the Walt Disney World version... Uh, that has changed, and she is now enjoying her embroidery in the cool of the evening. So uh, she has an electric light. Uh, the inside, because it's July, uh, it's summertime. Uh, as we moved back to, that's another difference. 
in the 64 World's Fair up to the Walt Disney World versions, the, these things weren't aligned to holidays. They were just aligned to seasons of the year. So the first act takes place in spring. Uh, as they prudently said, the robins are back, uh, and that's a sure sign of spring. In Act 2, uh, it's the hottest summer they've had in years. Um, as we get to the 94 version, uh, we are now aligned with the 4th of July, so Mother is sewing 4th of July costumes uh, out on the porch. So then uh, we shift over to uh, to sort of like a little, uh, a little den or a little listening area. Uh, and uh, from the 64 World's Fair version to the... Uh, to the 94 version there's a boy listening to jazz uh on a victrola oh by the way we've got a phonograph now and there's a new kind of music called jazz that all the youngsters go for Uh, Very enthusiastically, yes, in the nineteen seventy first Disney World version, he is like it's like he's having a spasm, <laughs> and then when they redid it in eighty one, he settles down a little bit, yeah. just kind of taps his toes, kind of like a little <laughs> bit of a toe tap. But I mean, yeah. the seventy five to eighty one, I mean, it's funny. It looks like the animatronics <laughs> like going to shake the record player off the. <laughs> uh, and then uh, at that same time, uh, Grandpa is listening to his crystal radio set. With his crystal set, Grandpa can get big-time entertainment from distances up to a hundred miles away. The Interrupted Program brings you news bulletin. Charles A. Lindbergh landed in Paris today. I repeat, Charles A. Lindbergh landed in Paris. In the Disneyland in 64 version, he's actually listening to an entertainment program, so which you can kind of hear coming out. Uh, by time we get to uh, the Walt Disney World version, we actually hear about uh, a, a radio a radio news breaks in saying that Charles A. Lindbergh has landed in Paris. Uh, so that puts an exact date on this version of May 21st, 1927. Cause that's- and it's interesting because that was in the initial Disney World version from 75 to 81. And then from 81 to 93, that stayed, that remained, even though the scene changed a little bit, that uh, break in the music uh, with the news report of Lindbergh landing uh, also made it into that version. And then when they redid it in 93, the scene opens with Father uh, making one reference and then saying, there's this fellow named Charles Lindbergh says he's going to fly all the way across the Atlantic. He'll never do it. It'll never <laughs> happen. So anybody who saw the previous versions and remembered that it's, it's a little bit of a reference to it. Um, in the father is dumb version, which we'll, I'll talk about a little later, but yeah. that's the 93 on everything is about making the dad look dumb. And there are another, an, a number of instances where they've sort of, uh, taken even in that version in since the boy is picking out music for like the fireworks show or something ridiculous like that it's like he mentioned the dad has to mention the jazz age in his opening dialogue instead of actually letting the boy like be listening to jazz so some of those things that just sort of happen naturally in the other versions they actually compressed into dialogue that the dad has so then in that, that version that we're talking about now, uh, Grandpa no longer has the crystal radio. He's listening to a Crosley radio. And uh, before we sort of had his, he had one hand down uh, holding uh, a head, he had one hand up to his ear holding a headphone. 
Uh, and another one sort of down with the cord. It's like now he's holding like a large bottle rocket or something like that, <laughs> which is <laughs> fairly dressed as Benedict Arnold or something. I don't know. It's now we go to something that actually changed somewhat radically between uh, Disneyland and the 64 World's Fair and Walt Disney World. In Disneyland and uh, the 64 World's Fair, there is a gag where the older daughter is uh, with her boyfriend sort of in a room. Uh, they're in an embrace, uh, and then the mom yells at him and tells him that it's 9.30. And then the dad makes a joke about how, uh, before radio called out uh, what time it was that uh, the mom had been doing fat for years. So that joke apparently uh, was not funny enough, uh, and instead they switched it to the daughter looking very flappery uh, in her room, getting ready. Uh, and actually there's a a very interesting discussion that starts here uh, that sort of shows you where they are going with the 1970s and 80s version uh, because suddenly the daughter is is actually having a very serious discussion about her wanting to go out and get a job uh, and the father says that it's a man's world and then the the daughter shoots back that uh, that won't that last won't forever always it won't yeah. always be yeah. mm-hmm. And, and this is the beginning uh, of a thread that we will see work its way through the acts uh, through this version of the show. Uh, as we start to see a little, uh, a little thing about empowering women uh, throughout this. Uh, and potentially this is because of what electricity does as far as freeing up people from the chores. But uh, it, it's an interesting change and, and something that was quite deliberate. Um, as uh, as we move on to the 93 version, uh, the daughter is in a Statue of Liberty costume, and she is basically complaining that she looks ridiculous and that her boyfriend will reject her, uh, and the dad just makes a funny joke about it, uh, that she's going to carry a torch for him or something like that. <laughs> and then we shift to what was probably uh, Walt's uh, personal favorite scene, which is uh, Cousin Orville, who later is known as Uncle Orville, Uh, in the bathroom. Well, we've got indoor plumbing now. Saves a lot of walking. In our new bathroom, we've got a a house guest. And uh, there's a really great story here. Uh, I can't remember if it's Mark Davis that tells it. About how uh, they had the staging set up with the the bathtub pointed towards the back of the theater. And uh, Walt jumped up on stage and said, no, no, it's got to be like this. And he actually got into the bathtub and uh, <laughs> got into the position of where uh, of where Uncle or Cousin Orville would be and like talked about wiggling the toes. And he's like, no, no, it's got to be staged like this. Uh, so Walt was very hands-on with this, with this scene. Cousin Orville. And as usual, he's taken over the coolest spot in the house. I will say one thing for him, though. Orville's rigged up something pretty clever. He calls it air cooling. Hmm. Too bad he's not reading the Help Wanted ads. Uh, so Kevin Orville is uh, in a bathtub. He's reading a copy of the Police Gazette, which, uh, which apparently was sort of like a combination of like news and girly magazine at the time. Uh, and if you remember your your Diamond Horseshoe review uh, and the Golden Horseshoe review in uh, in Disneyland, there was actually a musical number devoted to the Girls of the Police Gazette. <clears throat> so that was a real historical magazine. 
uh, and he's rigged up the air cooling, so he's got the uh, the block vice with the GE fan in front of it that's blowing on him because it's very hot in the rest of the house. And I guess this is going to set us up for the idea that GE produces air conditioning uh, later on in life. That's one of the couple scenes that always always gets a chuckle from yeah. everybody. It's funny. Uh, yeah. And one of the really interesting things about him, uh, if you ever ever see a photo or get to see the figure close up in real life, uh, he has... He's you know got a head and arms and about half of his torso, and then he has no groin area. It's just a giant speaker, and then he has enough of the legs and the toes that you uh, you see, but his entire midsection is non-existent because uh, it doesn't have to be there. Uh, how it's probably worth mentioning because we'll have a bunch of angry Twitterers saying you didn't mention this uh, that the uh, cousin Uncle Orville voice. Uh, was done by Mel Blanc, who was the infamous voice of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, right? And That's like right. A, a billion yep. other uh, Looney Tunes characters and other cartoon characters. Uh, so he's also the voice of the parrot that complains about the uh, <clears throat> the mom or the grandma listening to the tenor all day. Uh, and I think he was also uh, the voice of the entertainer that cuts in and out very briefly in the 1964 version. So I think they had him do a couple of things. And uh, they loved it so much and it became so famous that when they did the 1993 refurbishment, they use it twice in the show. That right. show is the only audio work he ever did for Walt Disney. No privacy at all around this place. Sorry, Orville. And uh, with that big laugh, uh, Act 2 ends, and uh, we are ready to go into uh, the Frantic 40s. Well, we can be sure of one thing. Now is the time, now is the best time, now is the best time of your life. Life is a prize, live every minute. Open your eyes and watch how you win it. Yesterday's memories may sparkle and gleam. Tomorrow is still but a dream. Right here and now, you've got it made. The world's forward marching and you're in the parade. Now is the time, now is the best time. Be it a time of joy or strife. There's so much to cheer for, be glad you're here for, it's the best time of your life. Now we're in the frantic 40s, and God, the music is better than ever. Uh, <laughs> earlier in the uh, early versions, the Walt Disney World and the 64 and Disneyland versions, uh, it's autumn, the kids are back at school, they're excited about that because I guess they're just not bumming around the house anymore. Uh, in the 1993 version to what we have now, uh, it's Halloween time. So there's a really spooky, weird looking pumpkin <laughs> that uh, goes back and forth between the table and the refrigerator. Good luck finding that if you know what I'm talking about. He has a very weird surprise face. Um, and Dad talks off, uh, starts off talking about the dishwasher and a couple of their appliances again, as he is prone to do. But my favorite is the electric dishwasher. Now mother spends less time in the kitchen and I don't have to dry the dishes anymore. <laughs> he seems to really like that dishwasher. Apparently he has a thing against drying dishes, so that was a big deal. Um, 
in the 64 and Disneyland version. Uh, at this point, we segue to Grandma in the Den, uh, and there's a little joke about her hearing aid. So apparently Grandma has a hearing aid. She's listening to some music on the radio. And Grandma has a new hearing aid. Hmm? Nothing, Grandma. Oh, I thought you said I had a new hearing aid. <laughs> this changed uh, when we moved to Walt Disney World. And uh, this changed the scene where... Uh, Grandma and Grandpa. Uh, Grandpa was in that scene, but he was sleeping. So Grandpa is still sleeping. Grandma is now uh, up next to the TV, and uh, she makes sure that Grandpa's asleep. And uh, you see like a dance program on, and then she uh, she clicks the uh, the cooker off and starts watching wrestling. Are you asleep, dear? Come on. Well, to each his own. And uh, another one of those. And, and one of the changes in the progressive, the three versions at Disney World is she gets less loud in each of the three versions. Because in that seventy-five version, she's screaming at top volume. Like, oh, yeah. there's no way Grandpa's not waking up. <laughs> yeah. Then in the eighty-one redo, she's a little more, you know, reasonable. And uh, and the ninety-three version, she basically. The, the current version, she basically is at the same volume level of, as when she's talking. Yeah. Give him a left, you big lug. <laughs> <laughs> there is a great little uh, thing in there, too, where in the... Um, I, th- I don't know if they still use the music. I'm trying to remember in the 93, but in the 70s and 80s version, they use the song Two Silhouettes from uh, Make Mine Music for the, for the dance sequence. So there's a little piece of Disney music in there. Um, and then uh, we move on to uh, so there's a little bit of a of a change in timing. So in in '64 in Disneyland, it was then Mom in the Rumpus Room, uh, and there was uh, definitely a change in. Uh, and Brian, I'll let you talk about the '93, but there's there's a change in in sort of the way the gags run in that one. In the uh, in the early versions, the Disneyland in the '64. Uh, mom has come up with the idea of the uh, of the paint mixer or the food mixer for mixing paint. Uh, the scene is very quick. Mother's pretty ingenious, like using her food mixer for stirring paint. <laughs> well, that's my wife, Sarah. You know, I remember when... Oh! Darn. Is there a doctor in the house? Never mind. I'm all right, dear. (laughs) Well, okay. When we get to Walt Disney World, uh, this gag is completely gone, and uh, she still comes up with the idea of using the food mixer uh, for the paint. But she ends up having this conversation uh, with him about uh, equal pay for women for equal work. John? Yes, dear? I was just thinking. About what? That if you hired a man to do this, wouldn't you pay him? Well, of course, dear. Then I should get equal pay. Well, we'll, uh, <laughs> well, we might negotiate something later on, dear. When? In the 93 version, there's a complete change of where the gag falls. They, they did in some ways revert back to the older one, but Brian, let's let's talk about that. Well, it's the, it's the most 
glaring example in the current version of the shift in some of the narrative of the show. So obviously the first versions, the world's fair version and the Disneyland version, uh, very traditional, you know, father knows best kind of, uh, kind of a theme throughout the whole thing. He's the narrator. He's the authority in the house is very, you know, in keeping with the times. And then the 75 and 81 versions, uh, which, you know, ran for whatever it is, 13 years, but longer than that, it ran for 17 years. Uh, there's references to a little, you know, a little bit more about equality, a little bit more about, as you mentioned, if you had a man uh, doing this job, you'd, you'd, you'd have to pay him. And I'm here doing this, you know, for, for gratis and uh, the daughter talking about getting a job in the prior scene. Uh, so what I call this is the Homer Simpson effect. Uh, cause it kind of took shape in the nineties. Uh, you know, dad is dumb and dad is someone to be made fun of. And so that starts to become very pronounced in the third and fourth acts that currently run, you know, ah, ha, ha, I have to change the fuses cause dad's an idiot and blows the fuse box out. Ah, ha, ha, you know, dad rigged up the, the mixing machine instead of the <laughs> mom who had rigged it up for 30 years. Dad rigged it up and it splattered paint all over the room uh you know in the fourth scene which we'll get to ha 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 dumb dad can't do voice activation and burns the turkey uh, yeah that's the th that is one of the shifts in the script uh and i don't really know that that's uh i i don't i don't care for it myself i think it's cheap humor and that's probably you know in fairness i i don't know if a woman would ruin like her uh her mixer in order I don't know to that anyone yeah no one would do that mixer. it is it is purely a gag i don't no think it's yeah. gender specific yeah. although <laughs> no, oddly enough too expensive yeah about a about two years ago i was having some home renovation done and we brought in a contractor and oddly enough i did find a hand mixer in the garage that someone had used to stir paint so someone <laughs> so legitimately it's... has used it for that I so mean, it is it's being a, done. It's a, it's a handy tool for ten bucks to do it. I right. mean, it's <laughs> yeah. At that time, I don't know what one of those mixers. But, but that's not a mixer. For. That's that's a stand mixer. That's yeah. a kitchen aid. There. Yeah. I mean, those things are three four hundred dollars if yeah. you've ever bought one. There. Uh, so then, uh, so then we move from there onto uh, to the older daughter uh, using one of those belt vibrator machines. Well, today, our daughter Jane keeps in shape with electricity. Babs, I'm having so much fun in my first year at college. Jane, have you met any seniors yet? Oh, dozens. Uh, and that gag has largely <laughs> stayed the same. The dialogue changes a little bit from time to time. Uh, it's to the punctuation of, like, how the dad can react against it. So, in the oldest versions, she doesn't want to be jiggled around in, like, her boyfriend's jalopy. <laughs> I'm having another phone put in next week. And then, haha, isn't that funny? Because she's getting jiggled around now. Uh, in the 70s and 80s, uh, he does the hip action. But I'm having some trouble with the rumba. I can't quite get the hip action. Oh, and listen, Babs. Hmm. Any more hip action and she'll disconnect something. Yeah, and that stayed for both versions. Yeah. It's it's worth noting that the 75 and, and 81 versions, uh, which ran until 93, very, I mean, there were, there were changes in the dialogue in some spots, but very subtle in the first three acts. I mean, most of what they said stayed yep. with a line changed here or there or a reference changed here or there. 
Yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to mention about as we're getting deeper into the show, the the current version that's been running since '93, uh, all of the one-liners, the the little references that people have, they really didn't take hold prior to that. Now, it might just be a generational thing that we've all seen the shows because the current one running has run longer than any other. Uh, but the the references in the acts, you know, things like my lumbago's acting up, and there goes Schwartz in his hupmobile, and you know, uh, Papa, I'm indecent. I mean, all that is exclusive to this most recent version. Uh, so there aren't really a whole lot of lines that float around from the prior versions. Yeah, that was. I mean, I have a, a couple of those things that stuck with me, but it's it is a whole different script now. Yeah. Um, so one of the long-standing questions about the Carousel of Progress is whatever happened to the daughter in scene one who was working on the thing? Like, she mysteriously vanished. The youngest daughter mysteriously vanishes after she's helping out with the Wash Day Marvel. Yeah, they're, they're, she's in the first scene there with the as the mother's doing the wash, and she's next to a spinning wheel, right? Like a... She's she's actually uh, making operating the wash day marvel. She's that's it. pulling the handle that makes it. Yeah, turn. cranking it. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, she exists again in the '64 in Disneyland version. She's she's actually they then shift over. The dad is talking about uh, television coming into the home, and the young daughter is there with the young son that we we see in all the scenes, and they're watching uh, uh, like a cowboys in Indian show on the TV. We've got the new electronic babysitter. Television is here and no doubt it will improve, but I'll bet there'll always be the good guys shooting it out with the bad guys. Uh, she has moved to the undersea base to work with her <laughs> hus husband in horizons. <laughs> That whole gag actually shows up in the fourth fourth act too, because uh, in in the future version, uh, I'm sorry, in the fourth act where you're in modern times, it's like they make a joke about television and it's still cowboys and Indians shooting it out. So with uh, with the whole cowboy and Indian thing no longer being a big deal on TV, I think they needed to rework that gag, and that's when they ended up coming with the idea of having grandma watching the wrestling. Uh, so. It shifts uh, in the uh, 1975 version and the 80s version of the son building a model airplane. Right now, my son is more interested in models. Airplane models, that is. Dad! Dad! Ah, it works! Ah, it works! I hear it! I hear! And so do all the neighbors! Good work, son! Which presumably was a hobby that would have been popular, and GE actually was in some aircraft manufacturing with engines and whatnot, so it was probably a, a minor tie-in. In the modern version, uh, the son is making a jack-o'-lantern, and he makes a bunch of cracks about how it's ugly like his sister, which I guess is very typical. Which, which is hilarious, too, because for some reason, even though it's not actually Halloween... Uh, he's sitting there in full werewolf uh, right. makeup with hair stuck to his face and <laughs> wolves teeth and my favorite drawing in the world on the uh, on 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 the wall it says my halloween costume and a drawing of him as a werewolf so that's act 3 we are then ready to uh, to move on to the modern age and it's time to sing the song again come on everybody now is the time now is the best time, now is the best time of your life. Life is a prize, live every minute. Open your eyes and watch how you win it. 
Yesterday's memories may sparkle and gleam Tomorrow is still but a dream Right here and now, you've got it made The world's forward marching and you're in the parade Now is the time, now is the best time Be it a time of joy or strife There's so much to cheer for Be glad you're here for It's the best time of your life so now we have we have gone through uh, three generations and we have landed smack dab in the middle of modern society, whatever that means at the current time that uh, that the version of the carousel is running. So uh, in uh, in the sixty four Wales World's Fair version and in the uh, sixty seven version, uh, we are in this incredibly spacious looking uh apartment the the rotating sides are gone it is just this absolutely amazing open floor plan with like a huge couch in the center and kitchen off to one side and a, a entertainment center uh off on the other wing uh, places for dining presents stacked all over the place uh it's grand in uh in the 64 world's fair version they're living in a ge medallion home and mom will talk about that uh amazingly in the uh the disneyland version they are actually living in progress city which is what would become or what was supposed to become epcot in orlando so you can actually see that uh that central tower from the uh from the uh, cosmopolitan hotel like out the window behind them and then Uh, after you ride you after you see the tra- you go upstairs and see progress see it. right yeah. there. It's out the window and it's right above you. In this sixties seventies uh, version from Disneyland and the World's Fair, this is where the hard sell of GE appliances comes on. We were just reminiscing about Christmas in the old days when when getting ready for the holidays meant hectic days of cleaning house and preparing extra food. And as I started to say, because the dad stops talking and is constantly interrupted by the mom who just goes on ad nauseum about how fantastic every appliance she has in and how there were so many colors to choose from but today our new yes today our new all-electric home gives us lots more time to enjoy ourselves in fact it's a would you believe it i'm cooking dinner or rather my electric range is uh, how you can use uh, mood lighting to go with your music in order to like shift the colors of lights, which I think is hilarious because now with the LEDs, it's like we're actually selling the same thing. <laughs> well, it's actually it's funny if you look at that uh, Disneyland version. A lot of they talk about as futuristic and life change is stuff that really wasn't for sale in the 70s and 80s and even the 90s but is commonplace now is stuff you see the automated homes and all that you're seeing it come to fruition now right they even talk about uh videotape recorders in the disneyland version our television console is more than just a tv set it has a built-in videotape recorder now we can record our favorite shows for viewing at a more convenient hour (laughs) and that that was i think far from common in 67 right I mean, I know it was it existed, yeah. but it wasn't. Yeah, that wasn't normal. Right. No, 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 there was no consumer-owned video recorders then. Yeah, so I, I think these these were always set like just a s- sketch in the future, but uh, but still very modern. And uh, man, she, she loves her dishwasher at this point like as much as Dad loved the dishwasher in the 1940s. It's and I'm thrilled with my new dishwasher. It's amazing. And uh, the washing machine. They, they actually have a washing machine like 
in their kitchen. And she talks about how, oh, I used to dread doing that, but now it's totally cool. Uh, (laughs) So now that mom's time has been freed up, uh, she is available to do things like uh, be in the garden club and be in a book club. Uh, when uh, when we get to Disneyland, yeah, that's uh, the same thing. So she uh, she uses her extra time for uh, those types of things. Oh, and and there's a funny little thing. So we're very accustomed in the Walt Disney World version that uh, Grandma and Grandpa are there. Basically, the whole family is there in uh, in the World's Fair and in the Disneyland version. It is just the mom and dad alone. Uh, Grandma and Grandpa live in a retirement community, and they are flying in uh, to spend. Uh, the holidays with them and the the daughter and the son are off at the airport picking them up and i right. think the uh the key takeaway here was probably up until this point it was expected that a, your grandparents would live with you uh until they passed away rather than having their own independent home which i think is why we always saw them in the uh in the previous versions so that was actually uh, a big change in society and as todd mentioned so uh you get to see the wonders of what the GE scientists are up to uh, in the 64 version. Uh, in the uh, Disneyland version, you go upstairs and you see Product City. And so next, Mother and I invite you to come along and see some of the electrifying new ideas from General Electric for our city and for your own hometown. Which is really cool. And uh, they talk about the friendly GE nuclear power plant <laughs> that's right there in the city. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the amusement park, which you actually see uh, today from the Wedway, uh, the mom talks about. It's either the mom, yeah, the mom says like it's not Disneyland, but it's clean. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper. It's cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's cheaper. Uh, but uh, that model that was upstairs, like, it was chopped down uh, and brought here. But that was really what they were envisioning for Epcot. And I have to give Walt a lot of credit for getting GE to pay for him to be able to figure out what Epcot would be. <laughs> that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, so in the, uh, in the Disneyland in the, sorry, in the Walt Disney world version, uh, scene four is radically different when it opens up in, uh, in 1975. You know, this is the time of day. I really love Will you look at that sunset out there? Fabulous. Mm, just breathtaking. Great way to end a great year. Really? Mm-hmm. So now, suddenly, the whole family is there. Uh, the son is, for no particular reason, suddenly 10 years older. He's now 18 or 19. Uh, <laughs> the older daughter seems to be about the same age that she was in the past, uh, early 20s. Um, grandma and Grandpa are there. They look absolutely completely different from Grandma and Grandpa in the previous scenes. Uh, so totally different sculpts. I don't know if I chalk that up to... Uh, I mean, they're leaner, so maybe they're more active, so therefore they look different. I'm, I'm not sure if there's a story behind that or not. Dad, in this version, is uh, cooking chili. That's his big contribution to... Uh, to there New we Year's go. Eve. <laughs> and he's still smart. Yep. <laughs> He's still smart. Uh, now, Mom, continuing on this theme of of empowering women to be able to do things, uh, Mom is not concerned with the garden club now that she has free time thanks to her electric appliances. She is actually on a clean waters committee, 
and the daughter mentions that she got a letter from the mayor thanking her for getting a bond issue passed. So she's hey. involved with government. She's a very active. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to put it. Like women, and and I. Commu- she's 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 active in civic affairs. Yes, and I suspect part of this. Uh, may have been just from the overall women's liberation movement that was going on in the early yeah, 1970s. I, I mean, I think you have to look at the time frame where both the 75 and 81 um, shows were done. And, you, you know, you're you're in the middle of you're all in the family and, and uh, you know, lots of other mod, you know, these these mm-hmm. programs on TV that that uh, certainly shifted the the role of women in media. And, uh, I, you know, the, the show that they were running when they closed in Disneyland must have looked terribly dated in 1973. Sure. Uh, just because of the colossal shift. And so, it, it, you know, it stayed there throughout the 80s. Uh, and I think by the 90s, it became a little more, it became passe to have, to have your entertainment be so political. And so there was less of a, of a message per se. In, right. in the 93 redo, which again is why 23 years later, other than a few things we'll talk about in a little bit, mm-hmm. there really aren't, you know, it's, 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 it's not so dated that you sit there and, and roll your eyes every, every five minutes at something. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I find fascinating about the change between the World's Fair in Disneyland and Walt Disney World, you know, we talk about how the Sherman brothers had to write this song because... You know, there's this idea that that GE wanted them to say, like, now is the time to buy appliances. Don't get it tomorrow. Get it today. Right. But there's absolutely no hard sell of appliances in this version of the fourth act. In fact, they're barely mentioned. I'm like, he's cooking chili on a cooktop. He's not doing anything with ovens or dishwashers or anything. It's an induction range, but they don't mention it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh when the 81 version comes around, uh, things were updated. Glad you mentioned that. It's time for me to start my New Year's Eve spectacular. Uh, Dad is now cooking... Omelette superb avec jambon. Uh, Mom has a home computer in front of her. Well, you two can ponder that age-old question. But since it's almost dark, I think I'll put your recipe on memory and throw a little light on the subject. Um, she is uh, she is in charge of the computer. She is using it to store the recipe. She's adjusting the lighting and turning the television channels with the computer. And one of the things that was actually interesting is if you sat in the audience and watched the show, uh, I came in with a zoom lens on my 35mm Canon camera at that time. And the computer screen was actually tracking exactly what they said was going on. So hmm. the recipe for omelette super avec jambon was actually up on the screen. So uh, so I actually have the recipe for omelette super avec jambon that we will publish wow. in the show notes. Look uh, at that! It is you can not make it super for dinner complex for your family. Yeah. Yeah. So, but now I'm making a New Year's Eve for New Year's Eve. You can make that every year. <laughs> Come to my place. We'll have yeah. that. And and we should mention that uh, they set the were, were all the ones New Year's Eve the up to this point the the final scene I think so yes so I think, yeah in the Disney I think New Year's version, Eve started it was like the, sort of between New Year's and Christmas or maybe it was yeah. the run up till Christmas and then it went to New Year's and now we're sort of 
back to Christmas Day. Right, but there's always been a Christmas tree and a Christmas yes. setup in the final yes. scene, although they portrayed it as New Year's Eve, as though Christmas had passed and yep. the family was just together. Of course, with your theme of uh, you know now being the greatest time of your life, it's a new year, you need new washing machines and ovens and yeah in the uh, in fact in the disneyland and world's fair version they even had things like food mixers like wrapped up with little bows on them as if they were being given out for the christmas presents they were tv one of my favorites the little black and white ge tv that was right there up front with a bow on it (laughs) there's some banter back and forth between the family and all these between the son and the daughter and several jokes about being old and they sort of rehashed the joke about the grandpa being in his 80s, his golf score, which was actually something that the dad just said in the Disneyland version. And now the grandpa gets to say it. And I think we're living in a wonderful time. Do you really feel that way? The 80s are a wonderful time. I'm in the 80s myself. My golf score, that is. And then in the 90s version, but like things change. As the 80s came to a close and the 90s came in, uh, I can attest to the fact that uh, crowds had started to dwindle, uh, and I think they kind of felt like something needed to be done to sort of reinvigorate it. Uh, Jihee had left the sponsorship several years ago. Uh, life was going on, uh, but the Carousel of Progress was not. And so it was time, perhaps, for it to make an exit. All right, fella, I get the message. And yes, dear, you're right. Now is the time. Why don't we all sing it? Now is the time. Now is the best time. Now is the best time of your life. Life is a surprise. Live every minute. Open your eyes and watch how you win. Yesterday's memories may sparkle and be. Tomorrow is still but a dream. Right here and now, you've got it made. The world's forward marching and you're in the parade. So with the script and the grandmother commenting to all of them in the final scene that the 80s were a great time to be alive, uh, it probably sounded out of place in 1992 when they (laughs) finally closed the attraction to (laughs) refurb it. Uh, Had it gone, before I start on the 93 version, how had it gone on seasonal status prior to that when the 80s version was still running? No. Okay. So at that time, it was still running every day. I remember seeing it in 1988, although... I mean, I, I, you know, I remember the show. I don't remember the specifics of it. Yeah. The uh, seasonal status didn't start until 2001. Okay. So in 93, they redo it. They, you know, they stripping away some of the last of the GE references, although there are still to this day appliances with the GE badge on them. Um, the, you know, it had been without a sponsor for a while. Uh, there's some significant things that happened in the 93 version though. The first uh, is they added Walt's name to the title of the of the attraction. So it be, went from Carousel of Progress to becoming Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. Uh, one of the other changes they made in the uh, 93 refurb is that they restored the original Sherman Brothers song, uh, There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, which for most people listening, that's the version they're most familiar with. They've heard it for the last 23 years. 
but uh, as you mentioned, it was changed by GE in the in the in the seventies. And the interesting thing about it is uh, Richard Sherman as and Robert Sherman have both said in interviews that uh, "Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow" was the song they far preferred, and it was the song that Walt preferred. So I think that was in the keeping with the tribute theme that the that the current show is a, is a tribute and a nod back to the original. Uh, they restored the song, and so it is omnipresent in all of our minds after we see it. Uh, a lot of the 93 redo was to point out the, the history of the attraction. And I'm sure part of the reason that was done is at that point it was a 30-year-old uh, attraction from the World's Fair. Other than Small World, was there any other World's Fair attraction? Well, Lincoln's still running in Disneyland at the time, right? Right. Yeah. So, Lincoln's but, at Disneyland but, and the dinosaurs are uh, on the train. Right. But but you're in, in terms of a like a standalone attraction where you're really looking to bring people through, they needed to begin to emphasize the historical aspect of the attraction, I think, to make it something worth people sitting through Correct. Uh, as as interests had shifted at that point from their park goers. So they decide to redo the show, um, change a lot of the focus, and so they introduced the holidays to each scene, and they went out and needed a new narrator, and they got Gene Shepard. Welcome to Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. Oh, you're in for a real treat. The Carousel of Progress was Walt's own idea from beginning to end. He loved it. And Gene Shepard, uh, the most famous thing Gene Shepard has done outside of the Carousel of Progress is he was a humorist, amongst other entertaining things that he did. He was an author and a humorist, and he wrote A Christmas Story, uh, the, the movie that you now see on TBS for 24 hours every Christmas. That is his voice narrating A Christmas Story. He's the voice of the adult voice of Ralphie. Now it was serious. A double dog dare. What else was left but a triple dare you? And finally, the coup de grace of all dares, the sinister triple dog dare. And he is actually in the Christmas Story movie. So when Ralphie and his brother jump in line to see uh, the, uh, the, the Santa Claus Santa. and the yeah, old yeah. man says to him, Young man, hey kid, just where do you think you're going? I have to see Santa. The line ends here. It begins there. That is actually Gene Shepard. And not so, not to get off a tangent, but a lot of people don't know that Christmas Story is actually a collection of a number of Gene Shepard stories that he yes. put together uh, from his radio show in New York. And and um, and you'll actually find some tidbits, including the leg lamp bit and other things uh, in other stories and other movies that uh, that he did over the years. So, Gene Shepard recorded this in 1993. The Christmas theme in the final scene kind of is a little bit funny because obviously he's the, the, the star of it. And what we most connect him to is a Christmas story. But uh, s- some of the changes in that final scene that we all laugh about now, but, you know, in 1993 was when the grandfather talks about the good old days. You know, in my day. Oh, no. You're not going to tell us about the old days when you didn't even have a car phone. Hey, Trish, for a while we didn't even have a house phone. Every time you're in the theater, everybody laughs. (laughs) And then he says, Not to mention laser discs and high-def TV. Everything is automated today. Now, the funny thing about that is laser discs at the time 
I mean, they were they had been on the market since the 80s, but they were the highest quality thing at the time. The the other thing uh, that he mentions, high def TV, high def TV really didn't become something people were buying for another 10 or 12 years. I mean, the, the mid 2000s, they became a little bit more, um, you know, the, the as the coming thing. And then they started dropping two hundred dollars a year in price until normal people could afford them. But but uh, so they were kind of ahead of their time on that one. And the car phones became, pa- I mean, everybody had mobile phones by the end of the 90s. So <laughs> so it's so funny to hear the line now because Hal and I were talking before the show. It, would, it seems to me it would be very easy to replace that line with mm-hmm. a modern reference and There's not make things. the entire scene <laughs> seem so outdated. <laughs> but it is kind of endearing every time we go and see it because we know it's coming. And for those of us who've seen the show a thousand times, it's funny to hear the laughs in the audience from people you know don't know the show and are seeing it for the first time. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the other thing that was done to change uh, the the attraction at that time was they added uh, a preamble in that first scene where Gene Shepard comes on and tells you, spends about 45 seconds telling you the history of the ride that Walt was fascinated with progress and thought it would be neat to do a show that, that showcased the progress of the American family over, over the 20th century. Uh, and that it premiered at the 64 world's fair. Uh, and then at the end, they just add a little, you know, outro where they tell you to please gather up your belongings and head to the, uh, and head to the exits. Uh, in the previous versions, there was really just an overture in those scenes. So, uh, the, the 93 version has been going strong uh, with really no changes. Um, you know, he's been setting the Christmas turkey on fire for you know, 23 years now. John, what's wrong with the oven? What? Uh, uh. Uh, and 2001, when the they did move the attraction to seasonal status. So they would open it during the summers. They would open it during the Christmas holidays. I think sometimes they opened it at Easter, but the rest of the time they weren't running it. Uh, So you'd go and the attraction would be closed. And there was a lot of speculation and concern that they were going to uh, dismantle the ride completely and replace it. Uh, And then the more, the, the, the rumor that popped up for the longest time is when they built, the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco, there was a rumor for a long time that it would move out there and become a permanent exhibit at the Walt Disney Family Museum. Uh, and that has kind of fallen by the way. So I don't know that there was ever any actual validity to that other than somebody saying, hey, this would be a great thing to do with it. Yeah, I think Although, the cost yeah. would be highly prohibitive for a museum of that size to run right. it, to move it. There was even talk of moving it back to Disneyland after it sort of finished up its run. And I want to say the cost at that point was uh, estimated to be about $16 million. And Disneyland was like, nah, it's yeah. not worth <laughs> it to us. Leave it there. Leave it there. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that's the thing. It's not, I mean, although we, it's beloved to us and I, and I want to see it until the day I die, the, uh, it's not an e-ticket attraction and it would be a massive investment for someone to put it in there it's also because it does get steady crowds now at at disney world both i think from the historical aspect and the fact that disney world's so crowded all the time now that 
<laughs> People just it's an easy place to go. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. Walk on air condition. Every, yep. every every four minutes or six minutes or whatever, you can you know it, it boards everybody in line. Uh, so you know, I, I think it's probably safe for the time being. I am morbidly curious when they're going to update the final scene, <laughs> if they're ever going to update the final scene. I mean, you, you have to think it's eventually going to happen, right, yeah. guys? Well, Give, well, given all the other changes in the color, I, it, I would I would think it's coming. Or we we can just start a rumor that it's going to be chopped into seven sections, and they'll just add a new one, right? They'll split the well, unload. I, I, <laughs> one of the things as we prepare for the episodes, one of the things I thought about is is who would be a good sponsor to go in and refocus the attraction, you know, and and because I mean, for me, because you know, I'm a I'm a dorky child of the '70s and '80s. I mean, I would love to see an attraction that actually did the history, just computer technology and mm -hmm. technology in the homes in 70s, 80s, 90s, and then the 2000s. I mean, because, you know, JT's a little bit younger than the rest of us, but I mean, it's just a sea change every 10 years in, in, yeah. in experience in the home. I wouldn't want to lose the, the historical aspect of the attraction, but something right. along those lines where another sponsor's coming in and they theme it around that because, of course, as we know, that's the... That's the best way to get dollars pumped into it yeah. is to find a sponsor. And it's gonna have to be something big like an IBM, an Apple, Google, something like that that would come in and and do that revamp. Yeah, Home Depot. But, uh, <laughs> oh, Home Depot. Um, so uh, to your point, Brian, I think one of the interesting things that they did uh, when they brought in Gene Shepard is they they sort of used that as a launching point and injected a lot of his humor into the show where before it was very Walt Disney cornball humor, we did have a big change. Or they actually lifted sort of sections of, of Gene Shepard's uh, A Christmas Story and some of his stories and sort of put it into the into the show. So the blowing of the fuse, for example, and changing the fuses, that was a big part of A Christmas Story. Uh, mentioning things like the Hupmobile, uh, that was all his. Uh, in fact, I think there's even a Red Rider uh double pump action rifle in the Christmas scene now or like <laughs> by the boys bed or something. I want an official Red Rider carbon action two inch range ball air rifle. The next refurb is going to have a leg lamp in that scene. That's right. <laughs> it's come. Actually, it'd be great in the 40s scene. It would be terrific. The snap of a few sparks, a quick whiff of ozone and the lamp blazed forth in unparalleled glory. Oh, look at that. When you look at that, isn't that glorious? So I, I mean, that's a that's a big question. Is like, do you change it? Like, it's been rumored to be uh, to be pulled out before in the '90s. They showed uh, a flying saucer attraction in that spot, and the carousel progress gone. If uh, you know, there's at one point they're talking about doing that Plecto's Galactic Review, uh, which also didn't happen in Disneyland. You but know, when when you when you look at some of the and especially the project gemini stuff at, at epcot that i'm sure we'll cover someday when you look at all of the goofy unbuilt things that they had <laughs> they had on the drawing board in the 90s thank god disneyland paris sucks so much money out of the and like everything just stopped in its tracks i think i think it may have actually averted like 30 disasters in the parks that's true i mean i think the thing is it's cheap enough to run it it is now that it's it's more cost effective yeah. to keep it as it is than it is to go and change it. And because Gene Shepard has now passed away, I think if they're going to make a change, they're going to have to go back and recast it again and right. start from start fresh. Um, yeah. Which, you know, it's probably time to do it again. I mean, the show 
as a storytelling device for either uh, selling appliances or talking about the change of, uh, of society in the 70s and the 80s or as a, a fond look back uh, the way that a Christmas story was. You know, each one of those things serve their time period, and maybe it's time to like put something, right. put a little, yeah, and a I, fresh spin on it. I was gonna say we're not talking about a lot of square footage, too. The, the, the building only has about twenty thousand square feet, so if you're gonna do anything, you've got to kick it back into behind where the Tomorrowland stage used to be and all that. That that twenty thousand square feet is gonna become a, a pre-show of, of anything in the future unless you I, build up. I would also suspect that if they were to redo it. Um, they would probably have a different family in each scene, which would enable them to diversify it a bit, uh, to make it a little more reflective of their audience these Mm -hmm. days. Mm. Um, you know, and change the makeup of some of the families. That would be my guess as to what they would do with the show. Uh, not that, you know, I'm, I'm one that would prefer not to see any, any, um, any real world, uh, when I go to when I go to my parks, I want to put the real world outside, and and so I, I'm not one for tackling uh, the challenges of humanity in my theme parks <laughs> outside of Epcot uh, in terms of what's possible. But uh, I do think that the Carousel of Progress is is a prime uh, candidate to to have some diversity added to it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, in terms of how they depict the families. And we have to figure out what to do because when the show opened, there was a very clear 20 year gap between each mm-hmm. segment. And now <laughs> the gap between 30 the, years sounds good. Yeah. The gap 30, between or even 40 prep it <laughs> 1940 and 2016 <laughs> oh. is probably bigger than the actually the expanse of the entire previous show right I would, <laughs> exactly. what i would like to do is get the uh the hanna barbera so you could start off with the flintstones in the first scene <laughs> and you could end up with the jetsons in the last and then just wait a minute wait, wait whoa hold on hold on you just described spaceship earth yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I, so there's a note here that the father was updated for the Tomorrowland film. Who yeah, so I I noticed it. Uh, I guess they were filming that movie in what I think 2014, uh, the George Clooney movie mm-hmm. Tomorrowland, and uh, I I rode Carousel of Progress uh, about man less than a month after they had filmed there. Uh, so you know they shot some of it at Walt Disney World. I. If I recall correctly, they did not use any of the footage in the movie, uh, but they did spend several days filming at Carousel of Progress and I think at least one other place. Uh, and I noticed, I said, "Oh my gosh!" You know that I had, you know, I've been on the ride every three or four months or so, and I just I noticed that the animatronic for the father had been updated. It was brand new, new skin on it, and and the movement seemed to be more fluid and. Uh, so it was definitely updated in the first two scenes for the filming of uh, Tomorrowland. I don't know if the third one was done or not. Uh, it's a little harder to tell because he sits a little further back on the stage in that booth. Right. Uh, but definitely, absolutely, those animatronics had a makeover. Uh, I, I think they're new animatronics that they replaced the existing ones that were there, uh, probably with movie budget money. Right. Uh, in, in, in those first two scenes. So they were definitely replaced. All right. And with that, we are going to move on to a great, big, beautiful tomorrow.
Thank you for joining us on Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. We hope you've enjoyed this tribute to the 1964 Carousel of Progress from the New York World's Fair. Please gather all of your personal belongings and exit through the doors located at the back of the theater. Have a great big beautiful day. And remember, tomorrow is just a dream away. All right, well, as always, we present a new T-shirt. I, we do apologize that last month's T-shirt is a little delayed. We had some additional 3D artwork that we put together that helped how visualize the Whatchamacallit T-shirt. So how that should just be coming out soon. So we really got almost two to talk about this month. Yes, right? fine, fine. I apologize. Finding a good angle on that Whatchamacallit from, from the previous existing uh, photographs was tricky. But, yeah. but thanks to the magic of, of you and Jason, it's like we got a wonderful 3D model that I could then spin into, find the perfect angle. So now I'm, I'm really happy with what, what we have to yeah. work. So how you've got, it's a blueprint style of the Wetchmacall, right? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. And uh, that's very detailed. So that's coming. Uh, but then also we have a, uh, Todd, you mentioned that logo, which yeah. I also was fascinated with. Uh, so we, we, we took that and uh, we added the slogan, now is the best time into the center of it so I, th I think we have a really nice little piece uh and we're running the dates 1970s to uh 1980s version ran so it's a little Excellent. time capsule of of yeah. uh, that particular version uh, that's awesome so if you want to get these shirts or any of our other merchandise you can check it out at retrodisneyworld.com forward slash support us and all the proceeds uh, go to help keeping this show on the air as well as keeping these different types of merchandise coming to you and also helping us do some events. And guys, we have an event coming up. We talked about it last month. It's the 2016 Retro Disney World Lake and Lagoon Tour on November 19th and 20th. Tickets went on sale September 25th. Uh, you are listening to the show after September 25th. And guys, we sold out quick. The tickets flew. Yeah, blown out. away. Yeah, I we like to believe that it is the uh, opportunity to spend time with us and not so yeah. much interest in the lakes and lagoons that uh, <laughs> entice people to quickly part with $15 for the right. They, they want to spend an hour on a boat, locked to, on a boat with us. Cheap way to rent a pontoon boat right here. It's a yeah. boat yeah. ride. Who doesn't love a, a boat ride? That's right. So we have a full narrated tour coming. Uh, we've got all sorts of other goodies planned for that tour uh, that we'll be handing out. And, um, We'll uh, release some of those to the general public as well. Hint, hint. So keep keep your eyes peeled for those. I, and we should note that you know we're going to be their Destination D weekend. We're attending the Destination D uh, conference that's down there that weekend. So if you didn't want to come on the boat ride, if you uh, couldn't get a ticket, we're going to be around. We'll, we'll yep. certainly be setting up a couple of uh, opportunities to get together and say hello with people and let you know where that's going to be. Um, so if you didn't get in on the boat ride, uh, you'll still have an opportunity to say hey with us. Exactly. So if we're doing something at night, we'll certainly uh, tweet out to so watch our Twitter feeds. And I know I'm, there. I know I'm bringing some stuff to give away to people. So, yep. oh. so we've got some freebies, and uh, I'm gonna we'll tweet out just like I'm hopping on Carousel Progress. If you're around, come on and join right. me. You know. Thanks to everybody who purchased the tickets. Again, I'm sorry to report it's sold out, but um, there is a standby list. So if you do go to uh, RetroDisneyWorld.com forward slash tour. 
uh, you can certainly put your name on the standby list. If there's any cancellations or changes, uh, we'll certainly try to get you on. So we'll see everybody. We're going to need a bigger boat. (laughs) That's right. If you can't make it, please let us know, though. I mean, because there are a lot of people that your spot, I mean, really, these spots, I'm expecting to go for big bucks on eBay. So if you want to make a profit, (laughs) you know, you could flip yours right now. Front row seats at a Springsteen concert. Yeah, that's right. That's, That's right. All right, guys, with that, it's time to wrap up. Uh, we are going to need to pick a topic for next month. Does anybody have any ideas? We spent some time in the Magic Kingdom recently. And spent we were in Epcot time. recently, too, right? Yeah. yeah, we've been to Epcot. Should we do something completely different? I've got ideas. I know I shared a couple. You do, but I, I think we should go to a resort. It's been a while since we've done a resort. You know, and uh, this could be, you know, too soon, but in honor of our friend uh, Arnold Palmer, we could do Golf Resort. I think that would be very interesting. Yeah, that would you know, because well. he was uh, one of the main, wasn't he one of the main guys that showed up, you know, to, to yeah. back Disney golf in the early days? And He was, he was, he was pinnacle to, to getting the, 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 uh, the, the tournament going there and uh, uh, obviously played an important role over golf. So that's an excellent idea. We will take you back to the golf resort. And uh, I know they had a great place to eat over there too. I know that was well chronicled. Yeah. So thanks to everybody for, for writing in. Um, if you can, give us a shout-out on iTunes, if possible, uh, a review there. Uh, appreciate all your questions and comments. As always, you can reach us at podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. And uh, again, thank you for listening. And uh, with that, Brian, take us out. Follow Todd McCartney and Retro Disney World on Twitter and Instagram at RetroWDW. On Facebook at Retro Disney World. For all things Retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at RetroWDW.com. On Twitter, you can find our producer, Jason Bartell from Deepwater Studios, at JasonDWS. Our announcer, Andre Gardner, at Andre Gardner. And follow our hosts, Hal Bowers, at GoAwayGreen. For JT Couser, at LS1JT. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook, at Brian P. Miles. Queenie, leave him alone.